Ian, how are you? Good, Craig. How are you? I'm good. Welcome to our new intro to episode one. Yes. Of Hubshots. Of Hubshots. Now, if this is your first time listening to Hubshots, then we basically want to say stop and try some of our later episodes instead. Why is that, Ian? Because you'll notice we've improved greatly. Well, we think we have. And we think our first couple of episodes are really bad. We cringe when you listen to them. So we wouldn't want that to be your first impression of us. Please check out a later episode. Or if you do definitely want to listen to episode one. Enjoy. Ian, how are you going? Good, Craig. Welcome to episode 627 of Hubshots. No. Yes. It is a good episode, 620. <laughs> no, we should explain. Welcome to episode one, everyone. Uh, that's a bit of an in-joke because we discovered last night that some podcasts uh, don't start at episode one uh, with the aim of making them sound like they've got a lot of history. Um, yes. I think it's a bit like invoices. You can start from any number you like, Craig. <laughs> Fair enough. So uh, let's get started. We're recording on October the 6th. That's been a nice evening here in Sydney. And let me ask you, Ian, are you still on a high from inbound? Absolutely. I think it's really pushed me to take HubSpot and what we do as an agency to the next level. I I would say it was similar to me. And uh, would you say that you're all in on HubSpot now? Absolutely. I always have been all in. Mm -hmm. I think it's really... How would I describe it? It's kind of really propelled me along and made me believe that anything's possible. And I think that's the power of the community and it's the power of the system that we basically help people use and uh, use on a daily basis to help their businesses grow. Well, speaking of community and talking about inbound still, one of the things that I really liked about inbound, I'll just get your uh, takeaways in a second, is uh, the way that it was all organized and the lead up to the actual conference. And I wanted to give a bit of a shout out actually to some of the HubSpot team, especially Ryan Bonici and Neeti Shah here in Sydney, who organized the kind of pre-inbound conference Asia-Pac meetup in New York. Now, this was uh, a great time for community and uh, a whole bunch of people from HubSpot user groups, customers and partners all got together in New York. And I found it really useful for getting to know people so that when we actually got to the conference, felt like I wasn't isolated. I knew a whole bunch of people and it made it a far more enjoyable experience. I would definitely agree. It was a far more enjoyable experience. I think when you know people, anything's more exciting. It's like when you hang out with your friends and uh, you have great conversation. I think that really is the key to all of this. Yeah. So well done, Ryan and Ethi for organizing that and a whole bunch of sessions beforehand. What were some of your key takeaways from Inbound this year, Ian? I think the key takeaways, what I love is all the product updates. Now, you know, some, some are a bit controversial, but in saying that, you know what? It's always progressing. And I think what I love about HubSpot is that they're agile and that they actually listen to what people are doing and they're actually looking to always improve themselves. And there's always something cool about when you log into HubSpot in each morning and you see up in the top right, there's ding, some new little feature that they've added to the system. It's always cool to yeah. check that out. You know what? That is That I think is an amazing thing. When you really think about how it evolves and how they're there for to make things better. It's never staying the same. And I know because I use other platforms, the level of change and the level of feedback that they implement is definitely far outweighs anybody else that I know about. I'd agree with that. Any other key takeaways from Inbound? 
Um, I loved all the speakers and I loved, you know, just understanding more about sales. And I think there was a real sales focus, but whether there were actually lots of salespeople there kind of didn't, couldn't tell, but, you know, lots of marketers. And what was a really interesting point, Craig, was that one third of the 14,000 people there did not even use HubSpot. That's amazing, isn't it? It's a testament to how well HubSpot has developed this whole inbound marketing and now this whole sales approach that they're attracting a huge number of people just to learn about the systems and the process, even if they're not using the software yet, shall we say. And I think the key thing is, is that they are concepts, right? You can take them and apply it. The question is, how efficiently do you apply it? I think that's one thing that the platform does really well is help you apply those key principles in everyday business. Speaking of some of those principles, I was actually going to talk about uh, a few of the takeaways I had from inbound were just reminders, uh, constant reminders of things that work. So these principles such as personas, lead scoring, buyer's journey, just a reminder to always get that under control or be reviewing them, revisiting them, making sure they're up to date. And especially something like personas, and I know we're going to talk a little bit later about a tool related to personas. I find uh, with even myself and my clients, often personas are kind of left to later or they're only half worked out, they're not fully prepared. And so the whole content strategy that flows from them is less than ideal. Is that something that you find with your clients as well? Absolutely, Craig. I think the biggest thing is, especially if you're the person creating content, it's a really key element to understand. It's like if I'm writing to somebody that I can visualize and that I know who they are, I know what they love and what they get up to, it makes a massive difference. So one thing I've discovered is that the people that we talk to on a daily basis, a lot of them seem to like cars and they like nice cars. Mm -hmm. That seems to be a common thread that I tend to find and it's an interest of mine. So I go, well, okay, well, I can write about that or share some interesting information that I found about a particular European car. So I think that's a really key takeaway because that really helps you shape and fashion the content. Right. Okay. And so is that how you use, give me some more examples of how you'd use personas with your clients. So I think for us, the best thing that we've done, well, if if we think about it, we always ask people like, what do your clients that are buying this product or this, let's say they're buying a house, right? Mm -hmm. What do they look like? What questions do they ask you? Do they have kids? Do they have other mortgages? Do they send their children to private schools? They're all valid questions because you're building a profile of this person. And I think that all helps you actually talk to them in their language and get to them so it feels like someone at their level is talking to them. Right. So personas are definitely very important and also part of the buyer's journey. And this is uh, something that uh, we've chatted about recently. Um, did you want to mention uh, a recent experience we had at the, the Google Partners event? Yes. I'm sure most of people have, or might not have heard, but Google has coined a term called micro moments. And they're moments in time when someone interacts with your content, be it video, audio, blog posts, even pages on your website. So they're 
researching products and services all through their time in, in different devices. So they could start off on their phone, they research a coffee maker, then they're on the bus on the way home, they use their iPad, they do a bit more research, they maybe now start looking for specific models. So a really great example was I had a friend who was looking at two different types of cordless Dyson vacuum cleaners. So she said on on the group chat, does anybody know these two models? And it wasn't a model that I had. So I just said, look, I don't really know. But one thing I did do, I went and typed in, in Google was, can you tell Dyson, I think it was a DC 44 versus a DC 35. And someone actually wrote an article comparing the two together. And I literally just found it. I sent it to her. I shared it with her. And she said, wow, thanks so much. So it made her buying choice so much easier. Well, that's amazing. I mean, if you if you were to think about uh, vacuum cleaners, coming up with the content strategy for vacuum cleaners, it sounds like, wow, that must be such a boring topic. And I hear this a lot in B2B industries. It's kind of like, oh, how can we make a particular industry or a particular topic interesting? Mm. And there you have vacuum cleaners. And But just that that example with a, a piece of content specifically tailored for that particular instance and it's been really valuable to you or to your friend and so it's probably highly influenced the buying decision or the buyer's journey that they've been going down. Uh, one, one of the things that uh, are coming back to inbound uh, and these, I guess, all these terms and buzzwords, the, there was this uh, a number of sessions on the topic of growth-driven design. Have you come across this term before? No, to be honest, I haven't. But I, I, have, I haven't either. Yeah. Sorry, were you going to say something? But in saying that, I think it's something that I've, I've probably talked about it in different versions, but not with that particular term. Because I've right. often believed that your website is never finished. Because if you think about the journey we all go on, we all grow, we all travel a path. And I always tell people your website's like a living plant. If you feed it or you water it, it'll grow, it'll it'll blossom and it'll it'll bring fruit, right? And I think your website's like that. If you think about all the things that you do, that analogy would would suffice, I would say. Yeah, I think that's pretty good. I'll just explain uh, for people who aren't familiar with the term, because I actually wasn't familiar with this term either. But like you, it's kind of something that's uh, intuitive once you hear it. You go, oh, yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. It's this concept that versus traditional website design, growth-driven design is much more an incremental iterative approach. So traditional design is typically once the site goes live, oh, that's when the project finishes. Growth-driven design is kind of the opposite. It's kind of like when the site goes live, that's when the project is kind of ramping up because every month or maybe shorter periods every week, it's being analysed to improve conversions and leads and engagement and the user experience that visitors are having on the site. So growth-driven design, it's almost seemed from what I was hearing at Inbound that it's its almost a mainstream kind of understood concept in the US. And in Australia, I, I, not many people seem to have heard about it. Interestingly enough, in the HubSpot user group that's on this week, we'll talk about that in a second, uh, that's going to be a topic that they'll be covering. So I'm looking forward to that. But at the rise of growth-driven design, I think it's a very important concept for a lot of agencies and a lot of companies to understand 
and to embrace in their whole philosophy or um, process when it comes to maintaining their websites. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Craig. And I think that that's going to be a key to the people that win in the market today. I think one of the key things that people might be concerned about is losing their brand or watering their brand down because people don't know what they're doing and they're testing all sorts of things. And I think the key thing is to have some brand guidelines and to stick by it to so people know what their boundaries that they're working within. And I'll use a great example. I used to work at Macquarie Bank and they had this loose, tight model. So they gave you enough freedom to go and do what you wanted to do, but there was always boundaries to what you had to do. So they never told you what to do. So it gave you the opportunity to test and try new things, but there was always a boundary. So you knew not to step over the line. Right. So moving right along, there is a new feature that uh, was released only about a few days ago, probably a week now. And um, I believe you used it, Craig, to do with email marketing. Yeah, so let's call this our tip of the week. And this is the new quick heat maps in emails that came out on the 30th of September. And I was lucky because we sent out our September newsletter on the 30th of September. So just in time to get this feature. And it's really cool. Basically, what it provides is after you've sent out your newsletter and, or any email and you're analyzing it later to view click-throughs and uh, what people were clicking on, before you could get a list of what got the most clicks and they were ordered, what it does now is it provides a nice visual heat map representation overlaid over your email where you can see where they clicked and it also highlights the top three and you basically get a sense of what's working. What I found interesting in our newsletter is wasn't that our our kind of click heat map didn't progress down the page as you'd expect. You might expect right at the top, oh, that gets the most clicks and it kind of tapers off towards the bottom. We actually found that our third link in, which funnily enough was about growth-driven design, got the most clicks through. And then other links to, for example, our social properties, um, our Facebook, Twitter page and things like that, got zero clicks. So none of our readers interested in following socially, but they were interested in the topics that we include in the newsletter. So I think it's a really cool feature and uh, really encourage people to look at that uh, in their, uh, as part of their uh, email analysis. Moving on to uh, great tools, though, um, uh, we were talked about personas before, and uh, you've been playing with uh, a, a neat tool related to p- personas. Yes, and so I think uh, it came out in one of the newsletters from someone at HubSpot last week, and it was to do with the HubSpot Persona Generator. So if you go to makemypersona.com, you'll see that there, and you can sign up and try it out. But I think one of the best things about it is which I've often struggled with is when you're making that persona is giving this physical identity to that persona or that person. And I think this is something that helps us do it quite easily and build that character of that person. So what do you think about that, Craig? I loved it. I I was impressed by how comprehensive this tool was. So it guides you through every single question. And I find that useful because as I kind of mentioned earlier, I'm, like most people, I try to cut corners at times and this really just guides you through so that you do it properly. So a great tool, very much uh, recommended. All right, shall we move on? Um, we're we're going to call this next section Opinion of the Week. 
this week, it's my opinion. I'm, I'm just going to put this out there and uh, get your thoughts on this as well. Absolutely. Ian. Now, what, what I'm going to say, my opinion is that uh, the US, this has came out of uh, inbound as well. The US it seems to be way ahead of Australia when it comes to marketing and probably the whole sales enablement process as well. But it seems like they're a good couple of years ahead of Australia. And I find this puzzling because it's not like there's a technology barrier. I mean, it's the internet after all. But I'll I'll just explain how I think they're ahead. They seem to be focusing on much higher levels of service when it comes to content strategy and preparing content pieces or content experiences. The agencies and many of the companies and brands there tend to be focusing much more and investing much more on providing those key content pieces at various points along the buyer's journey. They seem to be mapping them out well. They seem to be applying a reasonable or a strong level of resource to producing them. And of course, part and parcel of that is the whole budgets that companies are willing to put into these areas as well. So I was kind of struck by that because uh, as an agency owner myself and you're you're uh, in the same boat, I kind of felt like, wow, I've really got to lift my game because they're ahead. And so it's a good motivation for me. I think it's going to be good for Australian businesses down uh, the track as well. They'll be getting uh, higher levels of service. So I was kind of struck by that. Is that something that you agree with or disagree with uh, me there? I would tend to agree with you, Craig. I think the people level of understanding seems to be a lot further than what we are in Australia. I don't know whether it's it's not being taught and I think one of the biggest things that has really been on me is to really educate people because, again, I think people still think very traditionally around here and I think as agencies we need to be those educators in the marketplace and educating our customers because it's one thing delivering a marketing qualified lead or getting someone through the funnel to talk to somebody on the other side, but then what happens then? You know, have the salespeople actually looked at all the data that we have within the system? Do they have they looked at their social profiles? Do they understand who they are? Do they understand they can even see what they look like? Like, do they know who they're talking to? And I think that's really the next step. It's like, what happens once we deliver this person to this customer or this business? What do they do next? So. I think we've got a long way to go and I think we've got to educate people in that whole process. So definitely agree with you. Interesting. So you think it's an education piece there and I I think that's definitely what HubSpot is bringing to the market locally. They have phenomenal resources when it comes to education and they're definitely moving into the sales piece there as well. So it's interesting that you mention what happens once the lead or the customer has been delivered to the business, how sales takes it over. Yeah, so Ian, um, let's move on. What's our challenge of the week? I think the challenge is we've had a lovely long weekend and um, really for us trying to do five days of work in four. But in saying that, you know what uh, I'm always trying to do is like what are the processes that I could implement that will make that better? And I kind of kind of figured that out today when I was talking to a customer and they said, look, if something happens in our business and someone takes a particular action, can I inform person X and person Y that this person's done that so they can start the process and you can actually do that in HubSpot and I think that's one of the things that you know if we are going to have a better quality of life is well what can we automate so I'd challenge people to think about that. 
So how would you do that in HubSpot when you're talking about the notifications? So you mean uh, like workflows or yeah, what did you workflows. have in mind? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, someone's uh, just signed up, become a customer. What's the next action? What can we automate to inform people in our team that we've got a new customer? Do we send a gift out to them? Do we send a welcome pack saying, hey, welcome. This is the next step we're going to take. So even for us, I'm thinking about our own business and thinking, well, what can I do to standardize this process or this process of engagement with people that we serve on a daily basis? And then in turn, how do we help them do the same for their customers? Right. I love it. It's like challenge of the week as well. It's a, we've had a public holiday, so we've got to do five days uh, work in four days. Uh, solution to challenge of the week, HubSpot workflows. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I agree. All right. And uh, you've got a big weekend coming up, I think. Yes. Um, we are on for Bathurst 1000 this weekend and it's a race that I've watched all my life as a kid. And this year I will actually get to attend the race. Oh, so shit. I'm really looking forward to that. I don't know what it's going to be like to be there in person because I'm so used to watching on TV. But I'm no doubt we'll share next week what it was like. All right. Well, enjoy. Well, I'd love to hear about it. All right, community recommendation of the week. And what is what's on this week? So Ian? tomorrow night, which is Wednesday night, the seventh of October, we've got the HubSpot user group in Sydney, run by Chris Fells and the team. And uh, I think they're focusing on growth driven design. And it's actually a great place to come and learn more. And I think if you're potentially wanting to use HubSpot, you're using HubSpot. You don't know what HubSpot is. It's a great place to come and learn and meet people that are actually doing it and implementing it. And another thing I really love about it is the HubSpot actually sends some great people along that you can meet and talk to. Yeah, you can uh, meet Mads. Looking forward to catching up with Mads tomorrow night. You know, one of the uh, one of the things I, I'm really impressed with the user group, or one of the many things I'm impressed with the user group and uh, how Chris has organised this and they've done in previous years, is just how they've managed to cater to a number of different audiences. And you alluded to this. There's the the people who are researching HubSpot, so they're not they're not even using it yet. There's the people who are customers, so they are actually using it. And they might be at various stages. They might have just started. Many of the people I see there and chat with, they've just taken on HubSpot. And there are others there who've been using it for years. And the last time I met the person who'd been using it uh, four or five years, so much longer than myself, and then there's also people like us who are partners who we'd probably call ourselves power users in a sense. And I really like how the user group content, the speakers they have and the topics they cover, appeal to all audience segments. So I think it's it's a really impressive user group. And if you haven't yet been, then I very much encourage you to head along. They're every three months, so look out for them and book in. They do, they do sell out. They're free, but they do get registered out early. So make sure you sign up. So, yeah, I'll see you there, Ian. That's going to be a great night tomorrow night. Absolutely. All right, moving along. So the the final topic we're going to cover in this episode is just to introduce the topic of sales and mostly because it is getting such focus from HubSpot. Do you want to mention a few things around the sales platform? Sure. Ian? So I think one of the key things around sales is we all do it every day. I think even people that say they don't do sales do it on a daily basis because they're trying to convince someone in their household how good a particular bar of soap is or how good the drink is. So we all do it in some shape or fashion. But I think the key thing was 
alarming statistic that I heard and one of the reasons that HubSpot has the CRM is that only about 20 to 25% of businesses use a CRM to track their activity. That seems very low, doesn't it? Very low. And you know what? And I think this is the thing that I've discovered is that as you grow, if you don't have a system in place, things get lost very quickly in those conversations. One of the, I'll give you an example. We've been talking to a business for hmm, coming on 12 months now. And we've had some good conversations. We've sent a sent an estimate. We've spoken to the director of sales. And he's had things that he's been doing. And he, every so often, you know, we'll touch base with him and he'll say, okay, can you call me back on the 1st of October? Can you call me back at this particular time? And all we do is we put a reminder in and we forget it. And then right. we go back to that. When we get the reminder, we actually make the call. And one of the things that's been interesting is that he goes, you're not, pushy like other people like you actually you actually listen to what I say and then you do what I ask you to do and I thought hmm that's rather interesting so that's what the CRM helps you do but one of the great things I love about the CRM is the CRM app that goes with it so it runs on an Android and an iPhone and one of the best things is you've got access to your database wherever you are and one of the things that I really do like about it is that you can actually start a call from the app and then when you start the call, it'll it'll log how long the call was and what time it was made. And you can put any notes against it. And that goes directly into the CRM. And another great feature I'm going to talk, and this is around conversations we're having, is that if you use Sidekick for Business, which is another tool that HubSpot has. I was going to ask you about Sidekick for Business. Yeah. Go so on. I think we'll talk about Sidekick for Business on another call. But Sidekick for Business will actually record and you can invoke the calls directly from the CRM while you're on your computer and it'll keep the log of that. So you can actually listen back to that call for future reference. So even if someone on your team made the call, you can actually have a listen to the conversation. So it's another time-saving feature that I believe is that you don't have to write notes down. You could actually listen to the call and figure out what's going on. And I think it's a great tool for sales managers because they'll be able to understand what people are asking them and then, you know, create additional content. So one of the great things I always ask people is like, what is it that someone asks you all the time that's actually not on your website? And believe it or not, I think 99% of the time there are questions people ask which are not answered on their website. So it's a great tool. And I think as a sales platform, we should all be using it. Even if you've got one customer, use it because I guarantee you it's a, it's like a habit. If you do things, some, if you do it, you can only stand to grow. And when you grow, you actually have a system in place to manage that growth. Yeah, I really like that approach. And you, you mentioned it, uh, have a process and then the process just grows with you. I think that's really good. So we're, we're going to have to wrap up. We've hit time. But what I'm really looking forward to hearing about next week is Sidekick for Business because I know you've just purchased that and have enabled that for for your agency. I, I don't yet have Sidekick for Business. I've just got the um, Sidekick um, Pro version, whatever it was. So I'm interested to hear about how you're using it. Yeah. And so um, let's leave it there for tonight and uh, looking forward to covering that next week. And I guess I'll see you tomorrow night at the HubSpot user group. Will do, Craig. Thank you. All right, mate. See you then. Hey there. Thanks for listening to this episode of HubShots. For show notes and the latest HubSpot news and tips, please visit us at hubshots.com.